Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Welcome, everybody. This is the rundown with Rob and Rich, our biweekly uh, look at uh, all the latest happenings, news, rumors, speculation, things going on in the mortgage industry. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative, joined as I am every episode by Rob Crisman. Rob, good to see you. Nice to see you. In St. Croix this week, it was Alaska two weeks ago. Uh, it, uh, it's been several different exotic locations. So, and uh, this week again, special guest host, the founder and CEO of LBA Ware, uh, one of the technology pioneers of our industry, a good friend, a fan favorite within TMC. Many happy TMC clients, Lori Brewer. Of LBA Ware. Lori, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. And it's Friday. Yay. And at the outset, it is Friday. At the outset, Lori's company to level set uh, what they do, uh, LBA Ware, uh, signature product they've had for a long time now is Compensafe. It is uh, in compensation, incentive compensation management software. Many TMC members that are using it to manage comp for their LOs, even operational employees, and a business intelligence product by the name of Lime Gear and LB. I've been hearing some good things from our members about Lime Gear, uh, including the new some new closer capacity module function that's part of it. That's right. Thanks, Rich. Uh, we're having a great success with Lime Gear. Um, adding a lot of dashboard screens, reporting, basically visualization of your data. You know, so if you're using the compass or using PDFs or email, you know, email spreadsheets, uh, please give us a call. We'll at least show you what we're doing. And the latest is a screen that takes all your all the loans that are going to close this month or next month and graphically shows it on a calendar and also the capacity of who those loans are assigned to in the closing department. We're doing the same thing um, at the underwriters uh, point in time also. So you can get a really quick visual of who has the most loans and whether we're gonna have a heavy Friday, heavy Thursday. Uh, So playing with a lot of insights based on feedback from lenders um, that need to manage the heavy production, still um, heavy production going through manufacturing process, trying to close things a little bit faster and more efficiently. So having fun with that. Awesome. And uh, business intelligence software in general, I want to, a lot of stuff I want to get to today. Uh, MBA did a town hall with their members yesterday that had some interesting info in the Q&A portion at the end of it. Uh, we recently did a survey. I think I briefly alluded to it on the last rundown because we were just kind of getting the results in. But uh, biannually, TMC, we do a resu- uh, survey where this went out to 600 like key decision makers from our 234 lender members taking their temperature on all the most pertinent industry issues. Uh, I want to go through some of the things that came in in the top of that survey, uh, a lot of which have to do with staff retention, uh, employee productivity, uh, you know, the whole work from home dynamic and some of the things that have spawned from that. So, Lori, I'm anxious to get your feedback on some of those topics as we get to that point of the discussion. So, 
Um, all right, so getting things started here uh, in the news, we're still waiting on the Supreme Court decision uh, on the FHFA. Uh, Bob Brokesmith alluded to this yesterday in the NBA town call. Call they said if not this week, likely next. Could I think it's one of the next cases up for the Supreme Court. Um, interest rates, uh, inflation, another high inflation number that largely the bond market and stock market kind of shushed off. Um, and uh, just, you know, a lot of stuff in the news about just the, the dearth of supply in the industry. But um, FHFA, the current version, plugging along as if nothing has changed. Rob, did you read the entire 142-page uh, FHFA annual report that they released a couple days ago? That was your I'm homework. About, uh, half through. You're halfway through. So... Uh, it's very aggressive, uh, you know, like like some of their their policies. But uh, um, any uh, from your end, Rob, uh, your inbox, obviously, you're interacting with a lot of people. Uh, anything uh, of note this week that's kind of come in your inbox uh, to get us started <laughs> here outside of the, you know. Oh, well, uh, you know, sure. There's two big things, Rich, going on in my in my inbox, it's kind of a little bit of a personal question there, but I'm used to that from you. Um, the first is the fact that the you know the FOMC uh, comes out with you know their their meeting uh, discussion on Wednesday, and suddenly everybody's running for the hills. And I think it's important. To, and and we you know it was a total knee jerk reaction, which. Uh, you know, isn't surprising given some of the investment banks or traders or that mentality where the Fed is, has come out and basically said not a whole lot new, really. Uh, but the Fed is aware that inflation may pick up and the Fed is aware of this and aware of that and so forth and so on. I think it's important for, for uh, viewers to remember when they're when they look at what's the activity from that and the rest of the week is that a you know lessening of uh, you know a lenient policy you know taking taking the foot off the gas a little bit is not the same as tightening you know everybody just needs to take a breath and sure enough we saw this knee jerk reaction rates went up you know MBS prices current coupon MBS prices sold off about a half a point I think Wednesday afternoon. And then we gained most of it back yesterday uh, and into today to some extent. And I think that the Fed wasn't saying anything new that we didn't already sense or haven't already talked about. And that is if and when the economy starts to pick up steam, the Fed is going to stop buying, you know, five to $10 billion a day of mortgage backed securities which they weren't doing years ago. And the fact that they're talking about that and that that is an option and a viable option, suddenly everybody said, oh my gosh, look what they're talking about. But we've been talking about that for months. Um, so it wasn't surprising that the interest rates did what they did the other day. I think we'll settle right back down again. It's not like there's a new normal. It's not like anything exciting has ha really happened for the, with the Fed. Uh, with the Federal Reserve, uh, the Open Market Committee. Um, and then the second thing is, I, I'd say uh, about a quarter to a third of my emails today have been regarding the flipping Juneteenth holiday 
and I don't mean flipping in the declaration that it's now a national holiday. It is the the apparent curveball that has been thrown to compliance people and processors across the nation about suddenly there's a new holiday tomorrow, and what are we going to do? Does it count? Is uh, does it count? Does it not count? What are we going to do about our lock pipeline, so forth and so on? And uh, I published what I knew as of this morning. I haven't seen anything since then that uh, is is that differs from that. But the interesting thing that people are talking about is the lack of policy, published policy by the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. Even the American Bankers Association sent out a note an hour or two or three ago saying, you know, we're, we've tried, we're trying to get in touch with the CFPB to have them issue some kind of, you know, overall policy and nobody's heard anything. So I think that's interesting. And in the meantime, you know, there's a lot of details that need to be sorted out, but it's a holiday. And I think, you know, Wells Fargo sent out one or two sentences to its correspondence clients saying, you know, it can't be counted and let's move on. Uh, just like, you know, Christmas Day or just like Thanksgiving Day, um, which is which is kind of, you know, cut and dried and straightforward. But still, there's the devil's in the details for a lot of compliance departments out there and so forth. And nobody, of course, wants to make a mistake. Uh, I, I seriously doubt that some uh, lender is going to end up in a class action lawsuit because they took they did something slightly wrong during this time period, especially without guidance from the CFPB. But those, Rich, are the two big things that seem to be lighting up uh, my emails these uh, these last few days is is the market and uh, and Juneteenth. Juneteenth. It's kind of hard to say Juneteenth. Um, you know, and its implications. Yeah, we we our member engagement team has just been getting a slew of emails over the course of the last couple of days about Juneteenth and you know just the fact that it is a federal holiday and how it impacts their business and yeah, lack of direction from CFPB or really anybody else on it. I know MBA is trying to get answers as well. So uh, a curveball that was thrown here this week. So, um, <clears throat> and then Lori, uh, so I know you recently hosted a call with the MBA IMB group. They wanted you to talk about staff retention and that came up. I'm going to try to share this year. Uh, we recently, and while you're bringing that up. Oh, oh look at that. Multimedia, multimedia presentation. Bag. We're Bag. very tech savvy. Yeah. <clears throat> well, go ahead. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Real quick. This is just the background. This was sent to 598 key decision makers. That's just kind of the breakdown. 54% were from IMBs. The mix between small and large lenders was pretty even, uh, as was the mix of IMB and depository all kind of key decision makers. And uh, basically we threw the, what we thought were the 40 most pertinent issues in the mortgage industry to them and asked them to tell us how important are these issues to you right now from critically important to uh, not important at all. Uh, we obviously tallied and weighted the results and uh, this is what came back. And uh, just some commentary that I put together. Uh, there were six that kind of stood out above the rest that we'll go through here. But number one was retention of an existing staff. Uh, Lori, you are as dialed into the compensation and employment world as anybody in our industry. 
Uh, what are you hearing from clients? Just it was our members are basically, you know, I mean, essentially what they're saying is um, that, you know, the whole work from home thing, uh, it, it made their employees now hireable by anybody in America uh, and vice versa. And, you know, also wanting to understand, you know, as businesses contracted, obviously, from last year, who their most productive employees are, who the ones they are to, that they want to retain. And, uh, uh, you know, everything they can do in a remote or partially remote environment to create and still maintain the company culture that will keep good employees at their company. But uh, uh, what have you been hearing out there, Lori? <clears throat> I think I think this is so interesting right now. I, I don't know if you guys feel it. I think Rob feels it because he's been going from Alaska to the islands and but but this the post pandemic, you know, roaring 20s, there's a new energy out there. And especially uh, with our workforce, and there are all these new acronyms, you know, YOLO, um, you only live once, you know, work from home and, and remote work, right, I found out are not exactly the same, you know, home office versus I'm going to just be mobile and move around and do my YOLO stuff and work from anywhere. So WFA, um, the great reshifting, the great reopening, all of these terms. And, you know, Wall Street Journal had an article on people are not just changing jobs, they're just leaving their jobs. So there's a little bit more money in people's pockets. They're feeling uh, good about the future and they're deciding to make a change in their life. And that is impacting a lot of businesses. And I don't know if if the crowd on the calls now is feeling that, but I've talked to several companies that are feeling it. Um, and I've interviewed, especially software developers are interviewing with me because the company they're working for is planning to make them return to the office and they're not going to. And the other thing I've picked up on is if you've, been in a market that's been somewhat isolated. It's not um, Silicon Valley. It's not New York City. You know, it's someplace like Macon, Georgia. You're not isolated anymore because the 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 entire outlook of people working from anywhere for their dream employer is just so much. You know, such a wide open um, opportunity now. So it's interesting. Uh, and then that's a, affecting lenders who have really hired and work hiring underwriters lately and doing sign-on bonuses and paying up for people. Um, and we had done a study that showed over the last year, our clients had hired 60% more processors. I may have mentioned this on the call last time. Uh, 60% more processors in the last 12 months. So that is, you know, near, not quite double, doubling down on your processor staff, but that is a lot of new humans to be responsible for in your, in your company. And then, so what I'm hearing and being asked is, you know, how can we see things uh, as far as the activity that individuals are doing it? You know, here I'll share you know, or tracking um, 
what folks are doing on the LOS on a daily basis uh, because, you know, you always want to trust what folks are doing, but you also want to trust and verify. Um, so it's interesting because we're in a kind of in a new world, I think, going forward. It's not going to go back to normal. That's not a new surprising statement, but uh, it is definitely going to be different. So, Lori, I want to ask you, um, when I talk to, to CEOs and managers and so forth, have you noticed a, uh, a, a sea change, for lack of a better term, uh, in terms of management skills that are required to manage people who are, who are working out of their van in, you know, South Carolina versus, you know, an office in Kansas City? Are, are, is it a different set of managers who are required or managers having to retool? Uh, how, do they, how do they monitor all this and how do they effectively manage their workforce when it's scattered around the nation? A great question. I think people are kind of grappling with that um, because, you know, well, and I think it also comes down to as a company, what, what you are putting in place as your return to work policy, if you're going to have one, um, or are people just going to be measured on their output and do you have a way to measure their output? It's, it's, it's challenging because you can't just walk by their cube anymore and see that they're there at 450 and still working on files. Uh, so I think it's it's a challenge that's not going to go away. Um, and also coupled with that is the fact that a lot of lenders have grown their staff just significantly. And so now this will give us all the chance to kind of look back over the last six, 12 months and reassess um, who you've brought on because some of your new folks uh, might be doing, might be doing better than some of the others. So it's a, it gives us a chance to reset, but at the same time, everyone needs to expect that there's going to be a lot of people hopping. It's, Definitely a new world order. I read that Wall Street Journal column, and I forget the. I think it was like twenty or twenty-five percent of employees said if they had to go back to the office, it would be a it would be a non-starter for them, uh, which I thought was you know interesting to be sure because people are divided on it. Some want to get out of their house and get back to the office. Some feel like they can't return to the office based on just their affinity for working at home or how it makes their life easier. And if you go back to the survey here, number one was retention of staff. And again, this is from this is a cross section of 600 key mortgage leaders, decision makers across America. Forty different issues we threw at them. So, um, and uh, number three was scaling and modernizing your loan manufacturing process to insulate against volume fluctuations. Four was measuring operations employee productivity. And I could just tell you from the round, we just did a slew of collab labs. I think we did eight virtual collab labs and like three in person recently. And all these labs are talking about the same thing. Like last year, everything was wine and roses. Loans are flowing in the door. You're making gobs of money. Everybody's so productive working remote. This is great. Why didn't we do it before? Now you still have these bloated staffs. Volume has come down a little bit and leaders and business owners are 
very consumed with how productive their people are at home. A lot of these people they haven't even met yet that they hired that are working from home. Um, volume has dropped. They're probably carrying too heavy an op staff right now. They're starting to think about if they haven't made already some adjustments or cuts to staff. And they're talking about products that monitor productivity at home, uh, products that, you know, like business intelligence software and other for specific for, you know, the mortgage industry and other products that can tell people like, you know, what website, when they're logging on and off, how much they're on their computer. So it's a very interesting dynamic right now. And that is hard. And, and, and the minute you implement some of those products, if you, you know, if you're looking at that, make sure you Google also how to uh, set your computer to show that you're online because as many tools as there are <laughs> to show you're online and working, there are probably just as many, if not more, uh, to cheat those systems. So yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I actually left the call 10 minutes ago. <laughs> we need some tracking software for Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, Rich, the ankle bracelet over here isn't doing the trick. I mean, we have the blood alcohol content monitor already, but it seems like we might need to ramp that up a little bit. Well, he's not in a bar this week, so. <laughs> uh, but so amongst lenders, I would say like, and this is just total like spitballing, like 10 or 20%, in my opinion, are already using some of those products at home to kind of monitor, you know, and then there's a big chunk that are interested in them. And there was a lot of discussion about this in all the labs. And then within that, the ones that are using them, some are using products that they tell the staff were using them. And then some are more behind the scenes, like, you know, the, the employees don't know that, you know, the tracking software is in place. So it, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out with the, the work from home dynamic. Rob, your hand is up. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but the thought, Rich, when you get old, you have to blurt out thoughts. Otherwise they, they vanish into the, to the netherworld. Are you hearing from your members? And I'm, I'm kind of getting into the weeds here a little bit, but it had been asked once or twice with regarding the caps that are now on, you know, whether it's 3%, whether it's 0% or 3% or 7% or whatever the cap is for non-owner occupied and second homes. Or do you have lenders asking you about compensation or maybe Lori's heard this, compensation for LOs who specialize in that kind of product. And because now the company has a cap by selling to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, those loan officers can't achieve their full potential because the company's being capped. Have you heard, have you heard any rumblings like that, Rich or Lori? Lori, Lori, your hand is up. Lori. Well, question on that. Um, and this is a stupid question, but you guys are going to know it. So if you're capped at 7%, and my understanding is the math figuring out, it's not like straight line 7%. There's nuances underneath there to get to that 7 And if you are have over-delivered, those are the people that are being now possibly lowered to 3 right? And then I saw um, Inside Mortgage came out with something that Wall Street is, is, is loving this because that activity is now going their way. So are you saying product and pricing is going to increase 
more so just because of where that's going to, where that product's going to end up landing? Well, what, what is happening is as Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac at the direction of the FHFA have constricted or shrunk their footprint, whatever you like to call it, whether it's caps and sales to the window or whether it's, you know, APR calculations or whether now it's non-owner and second home caps. So yes, the non-QM investors are, are licking their chops, as I like to say, uh, as my mom used to say. And the private label securitization industry, the marketplace there is also excited about that. And you're right, the investment banks are, are uh, anxiously awaiting an inflow of pro- uh, product because I think everybody on the call will tell you that much of this second home and non-owner property lending isn't of a higher risk. And so what banks are already doing is saying, okay, if it's a low loan to value, non-owner loan or a second loan, a second home, uh, or it, uh, the borrower has a low debt to income ratio or a high credit score, we are going to put that in our portfolio. We're not even going to show it to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. We're just going to put it in our portfolio and, and it won't show up on, on our, again, on our numbers that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac watch. The bigger lenders, the Amerihomes, the Penny Macs and so forth are at an advantage, but like Loan Depot has an entire department uh, about securitization. So they have the capability to securitize huge swaths of you know, Freedom or Loan Depot or United Wholesale, they, they can securitize those kind of products, but there's a cost to that. And if you are a Loan Depot, is your focus gonna be more on your retail origination and securitizing that, or are you really gonna help the broker? The same with other companies that might have a correspondent arm or a wholesale arm or retail arm, the question is, where do you allocate your resources and how expensive is it to securitize that product? What kind of yield are you going to see? Uh, you know, so, so great. Uh, you're able to send $200 million of second homes or non-owner occupied loans to Goldman Sachs to bundle up and put into a security. Well, Goldman Sachs doesn't come cheap, first of all. And second of all, I think the investor demand should be pretty good but we don't know. And right now there's this period of uncertainty that lenders are saying, where am I going to price this stuff? You know, because the, the quickest way to turn off something is raise the price. But Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac didn't just jack the price up. They put a percentage cap on it. And it's much harder for capital market staff and CEOs to manage to some kind of percentage versus some kind of price hit that they can automatically put on their rate sheet. So now they're dealing with this percentage and it's somewhat nebulous and so forth. But um, so you're right, there are other outlets, but it's going to take a while to sort itself out. And it's almost kind of like a moving target. You know, it's almost like trying to pick up a jellyfish, like you might pick it up here and it flows over there or vice versa. It's very hard for capital markets to price that on a rate sheet and price the risk into their overall portfolio of originations because it's, it's a bit of a moving target. But I was wondering, Lori, more on the on the loan officer side. Um, you know, you're a, you're a company in some part 
some part of the nation that uh, really focuses on non-owners or second homes, and you have originators who, you know, 50% or 70% of their book is that kind of business, and you've just got hit with a cap. Um, you know, what are those originators? What are you, what are you hearing about those originators? Are they, what can they do if anything? Um, someone just posted in the chat. They are hearing fellows jumping ship. I personally haven't heard anything. Um, the, you know, Ari Karen would say, how close to the fences do you want to play? But if it's you, a borrower coming in who wants to buy an investment property, you're probably not going to sway them. Or if they're owner occupied, you're not going to sway them on a different occupancy type. So it's not um, just like purpose refinance or purchase. If you chose to go this route, I'm not an attorney, but it's not, um, you could tie comp to occupancy if you're not influencing that decision again that's for your legal count counsel i have not seen people putting that in place um even though you would think possibly folks would want to look at doing that um so yeah you would think you'd see it but on the other hand how, what was the what was the percent of do, does anyone know what was the percent of second investment prior to this cap and why are all these there was no changes thrown out like day day of or day before there, like there the was, holiday yeah there was no cap per se in fact uh, michael ehrlich uh did a good study about what actual numbers look like percentage wise that were being delivered to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac for second homes, non-owner occupied. And of course it varied by lender, but probably the most, as I recall him saying was that uh, some companies were delivering upwards of 15% of, of that kind of product to the agencies. So they've really gotten scaled back. Uh, but as you point out, some lenders haven't heard anything. Uh, and so they it is thought that they, are well under that 7% cap, so they can just go with the 7%. But yeah, it, it varied. But um, I know that some originators in some areas, like if you're an originator in Vail, Colorado, or let's say you're an originator in Miami Beach or something, and there's a huge condo market or a huge second home market, um, and not so much condos, but you know, non-owners, whatever might be investment properties, it just seems like as an originator, if I'm working for a company that is now has a 0% tolerance or a 3% tolerance, it's going to, it's going to cause me to, you know, it's going to cause me to, I don't know what it'll cause me to do. Maybe look around a little bit. I don't know. I, I, maybe that's a, uh, a new recruiting technique uh, to be able to lure originators is that, Hey, we're not, you know, we, we didn't get any bad messages from Fannie or Freddie on our cap. So come on over. I don't know. Be interesting. And it may be moved. The one thing I wanted to bring up was uh, the MBA does a town hall with their members and uh, listened to it yesterday. Uh, the Q&A portion at the end was interesting. There there was some things that uh, Bob Brooksmith brought up that I thought were interesting. Uh, one was he expected uh, HUD to make an announcement around uh, FHA qualification, forgiveness of or something regarding student loan repayment is something he saw was coming. 
Uh, he got a question about FHA insurance premiums being reduced. A lot of people thought Marsha Fudge may do that. When she was appointed, she immediately kind of made a comment to saying they wanted to see how forbearance played out. Uh, Brokesmith seemed to think that when the, that the latest actuarial report, because home values are up and delinquencies are down, non-forbearance delinquencies, that when the next actuarial report came out in November, he felt like there was a very good chance that HUD would reduce FHA insurance premiums, which to me, uh, I thought was big news. And I see somebody put in the chat that FHA issued a letter today regarding student loan payments. Um, he got asked about home equity lending. Have you heard anything about a clamp down there because of all the run-up in values? And if, you know, if they're reversed, that he said he hadn't heard anything and that the banks do a lot of that lending and that the bank, he expected the banks to, you know, regulate that. He was asked about the supply shortage, said basically we got nothing there, no help. He was kind of punted that one to NAHB, the home builders, he said, which are working on it. And then regarding FHFA, he got a couple questions on that, the Supreme Court case. He said a couple interesting things. He said, one, if Biden's allowed to fire Calabria, he will immediately, most likely. And he mentioned Sandra Thompson, who's the current deputy director, as the person he felt very good that would be appointed as the interim. Um, he then mentioned that uh, DeMarco served like as the interim, never had to go through the appointment process for like five years. Then he got a question like, did he think that Sandra Thompson would would be in that same kind of category? And he said, no. He said that he felt like the Biden administration was already pursuing permanent, already was well down the path of pursuing permanent replacements and would look to have somebody go through the formal appointment process and that Sandra Thompson would be there for months in the position and not years. So uh, just some interesting tidbits from the uh, MBA town hall calls. Hey, Rich, do you, um, since it's just us girls on the call, as they say, do you get the impression that the NBA is reacting uh, or acting when it comes to some of these, uh, some of what's going on with the agencies, whether it's Fannie or Freddie or FHA or VA and so forth? Well, you know me, I tell it like it is. And MBA is we need them desperately in our industry because nobody likes mortgage bankers and they have been a strong advocacy voice. But I, I do feel like, you know, it was a little crazy. The, the PSPA amendments came out January 14th and then almost, you know, acted surprised when they started implementing these things that were in there. Uh, to me, that was shocking. I know it was a shocking to a lot of our members. So um, I, I think they were just so happy that um, they formally stopped pursuing, like getting the GSCs out of conservatorship that maybe they took their eye a little bit off the ball um, about some of the things that are now happening um, that would still, you know, put them on that path. And, and so, uh, yeah, you know, so I think that, you know, and, and part of it is like Calabria won't talk to them. I get it. Like, you know, if Ed DeMarco, uh, Mel Watt, other heads of FHFA, MBA has always had a great working relationship with. And, you know, the current director basically won't even talk to them. So they're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. I get it. Uh, that said, I think there is definitely merit to the reacting and caught a little off guard part of it. So. <clears throat> All right. So, Lori, <clears throat> sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to loop you back into the conversation because I'm 
I don't think we're not done with you yet, young lady. Uh, getting back to the, the, the different management skills uh, that that might be involved from a from a work from work from a Volkswagen van or work from home or work from the office and so forth. Where do you see your product set? How how is it? How do you see it evolving for the remainder of the year, especially CompenSafe? Um, how does it help a, a, a remote manager and how, how might it change uh, as the year goes forward? So we're seeing more and more um, examples of lenders using CompenSafe to set up quality metrics to go in combination with quantity metrics. So if you combined, you know, for an underwriter number of just number of initial decisions made. Um, well, let me, let me give a processor or a call center LO example. Uh, we see lenders using, for example, call center LO for, um, with a capacity uh, metric along with the number of calls they're doing. Uh, so that's, that to me is interesting. Um, because, Hey, if you're, if you're somebody who can be more efficient at your job, and if you set up the success metrics of what I need you to do in this role and they can hit it, so be it, you know, go have a glass of wine at four instead of five. <laughs> um, and that, that to me is interesting. Um, if you can do it successfully, it's of course very hard to set up quality metrics. If you don't have clean data, it all goes back to making sure you have clean data uh, clear math around how those metrics are put together because the worst thing to do is mandate something that you lose the trust and, uh, you know, transparency of your staff. Um, none of us like that. So, but if it's, but if it's simple enough to be understood and simple enough for people to understand how to succeed on those uh, metrics to make a bigger bonus, um, that, that, that's pretty uh, awesome. And then you, you don't have to be as hands-on. You don't need that tracking software. That yeah, that's, that's almost like the holy grail, what you're working on there or what you're offering in terms of your product, because it's always important, I think, I'm stating the obvious, but you know, I'm just stating it for the heck of it, to, to tie in your employees' goals to that of the company. And it doesn't matter if you produce a lot of loans and get paid a lot of money, if your delinquency or foreclosure rates are high or it or bogs down processing or it messes up the warehouse line because they're, it's whatever. Um, so to be able to go back to the originator and say, here are the goals of the company. Here's how we make money. Here's how to keep the machine flowing. And so yeah, I think you nailed it. So I think it's very, very important. The other thing we're working on, I'll just say really quickly, um, is just more visualization from the branch manager, regional manager perspective. Um, found out like a lot of those folks don't even have it, you know, the company may use the LOS for a lot of its pipeline reporting, but regional managers or non-producing branch managers don't always have an LOS login. And, or if they do, they don't want to like necessarily use that as a reporting mechanism. So uh, 
doing some interesting things there. This is The Rundown with Rob and Rich this week, joined by a special guest co-host, CEO of LBA Wear, Lori Brewer. If anybody has any comments, questions, thoughts before we depart, this would be the time for him. Lori, you have a question? Yeah. What do you guys think um, about housing prices? I've been watching. and um, As somebody that bought a house, I hope they keep going up. <laughs> <laughs> like... Even Airbnb, you can barely get a home. Uh, and if you do, you're paying for it. And then if you look at what those houses are are um, selling for in, you know, places like on the beach where I've been searching, uh, I swear they're going up at just a gigantic run rate of that sales price and people are paying it. When's that going to slow down? You know, I... I think that we're going to see a ma- we're in the midst of seeing a major correction to housing prices in America just based on supply and demand. That's uh, just have not built enough homes in America as of late. The last year and a half, it's been even more delayed because of one, the pandemic, and then two, supply prices. Prices of supplies are starting to fall right now. Um, I know that some of the big home builders have come out this week and said they're ready to put their foot on the gas pedal now that supply prices are coming down. So I think you're going to see a lot of building. The last couple of years, you're going to see, I think, unprecedented amounts of home construction. Um, But it's going to take a long time for that stuff to work its way into the pipeline. And I don't, I, I just can't see any scenario where home values like start dropping because you have so many people that want homes, some that need homes, and there's just not a lot of houses out there. And uh, yeah, I, I think that home prices are going to keep going up for like another year and then won't go down would be my guess. So. Rich, I, I agree with you. I've, I've been saying it all along. I mean, <clears throat> millions and millions of people are are turning, you know, 30, 31, 32 every year that, that want to own a home that can't, that can't find a place close to a, a city center. So, I mean, and you've got immigrants coming into the country, you have the government, you know, beating on the home ownership drum. I just, uh, the demographics just don't, just don't point to any kind of housing deflation. Of course, we're sitting here saying that it's like, you know, Kennedy asking the shoeshine boy right before the stock market crash, you know, oh, you like stocks? Oh, yeah, stocks going up, going up, whatever the shoeshine boy supposedly told him. Um, but I just don't see it. I think I think the demand is there. And unlike stocks, people need a place to live. And, yeah, you could say, well, they could live in a rental or live in an apartment, live in their van. But people still want to own a home. You know, they want their kids in a good school district. They want to they want to throw the ball for the dog in the in, on the lawn kind of thing. So, and I think in general, like in America, you know, you've seen you had seen over the course of the last decade more of a movement of uh, younger people and people in general moving into the cities and urban areas. I know in Cleveland, like nobody lived in downtown Cleveland until like six or seven or eight years ago, and then it's been a big initiative. And a lot of younger people I know uh, live downtown and love it. But I think you know now, I think the value of a home has just generally been swelled due to the pandemic number one and two, like the whole suburbs and schools and that thing, like some of the millennials I know they thought it was so cool to live in the city are now like, well, it's going to find a nice little suburb 20 minutes outside the city. I can go 
into Cleveland, see the calves of the Indians and Uber in for 20 bucks as opposed to living there. So <clears throat> Rob, we did have a question come in. Uh, any, it was asking about speculation about the next HUD undersecretary or FHA commissioner. Have you heard any rumors? Nothing? Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I I think no. everyone's just waiting on this FHFA thing before any of that starts to get any momentum. Yeah, you know, the uh, I remember when, when Trump took office, a lot of folks pointed to the number of unfilled positions as the months went on in the new Trump administration. It takes, I, I think a lot of us who have not been in government don't realize how long it takes and what the political process is for some of these appointees to be put into positions of power. And we're seeing that with the Biden administration, same thing. But given given what what President Biden has talked about and the vice president, given what the other administration appointees uh, are like, it's it would be we'd expect it to be very pro housing um you know, affordable housing and so forth, trying to trying to promote business and, and pro-government, frankly, you know, the role of the government doesn't seem to be diminishing uh, with this administration. So, but I haven't heard any names bannered about. Um, any other questions, comments? Uh, pump them in the chat of the Q&A right now. We'll sneak them in before the end of the show. But uh, wrapping up here, uh, LB, any uh, last thoughts on the state of the mortgage industry as we... Uh, head into the heart of summer um, and anything to leave us with here on the rundown. You know, people are, people are traveling and I think that's good. If you've been on a plane recently, it's back, back to normal. Um, Packed. Just packed. I know the, uh, uh, I go from here to the, uh, Florida mortgage bankers in Orlando early next week. And I think they have a, a, approaching 250 registrations. So wow. great turnout. Yeah. So I think everybody's going to be taking their vacation and going national parks are apparently overloaded. Uh, so lots going on. It's going to be an exciting summer. How'd Never you, boring in the industry. You posted a picture, your crazy uh, hiking trip. I, the one post picture you posted on LinkedIn was incredible. That's right. That when we did this call two weeks ago, I was just heading out. Um, yeah, we did multiple hikes above ten thousand feet in the snow, but in our shorts because uh, it was Groundhog Day, mid eighties every day. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Colorado, blooming green. It was amazing. It was, it was fantastic. Rob, how are you? Are you in St. Croix for the weekend? How are you going to spend the weekend in St. Croix? Uh, hiking and uh, in the water. There you go. Nice. LB, any plans yeah. for the weekend? That. Uh... Oh boy. Oh, there we go. I, I always say I'm just one Amazon delivery away from this show going off the rails and uh, uh, could have been it right there. So Lori, uh, your weekend while I go on mute. All right. Uh, my weekend consists of helping take uh, some items that are needed in a dorm room up to my child. You have to have the big poof, you know, the big beanbag. It's critical. All right. Well, Rich is having a sidebar conversation. I guess we'll log. Oh, no, now Rich is back. Yeah, sorry about right. that. I My dogs are idiots. You need to change the cats, Rich. I know. Well, yeah. 
I know they're right, right, Rob. they're easier. Yeah. So to be sure, but, uh, yeah, my girlfriend is out of town. So she left me with four dogs. Um, and I never even owned a pet in my life until like a year and a half ago. So, uh, I'm they're, they're winning. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Uh, once again, as always, uh, great discussion, Rob, as always good seeing you. Uh, always interesting to see where you're going to show up from. And, uh, two weeks ago it was a bar in Alaska today. It was St. Croix, but always enjoy your participation in the discussion, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. And Lori LB, always good to see you. LBA wear compensate lime gear, uh, Again, anybody that's interested, get a hold of Lori, myself. What we do is we connect you with members of ours that are clients. Uh, it's one of the, like, a benefit of membership at a TMC that you, like, won't find on our website. But, hey, we're thinking about using LBA Wear Compensate. Can you connect me with a few members? And unlike what a lot of, like, vendors would do, and they'll just connect you with the three people that say, oh, yeah, you know, say nice things about us. Uh, we are doing that every day for our members so they can make smart decisions uh, before they start doing business with a third-party provider. Talk to people who have no MO other than to help out a fellow member. But Lori, that's been a big part of your growth within our network and success is just our members loving you and your cool company. So, Yep. We've yep. had uh, I agree. I agree. very little to no churn on Compensafe ever. So um, speaks to you the success that we've given clients. And thank you, Rich, for always mentioning us. Absolutely. And yeah, you know where, everybody knows where to find me, lbaware.com. So reach out, never know where to find Rob, but. Rob, email away. Right, so. All right. All right, excellent. Well, have a great weekend, guys. Uh, for our attendees, thanks for spending part of your Friday with us. And we'll see you back in the same spot two weeks from now, 3 p.m. Eastern, on The Rundown with Robin Rich. Have a great weekend, everyone. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.